Today we celebrate the Feast of St. James. St. James was the brother of St. John, the, the, four, the author of the fourth gospel. And both St. James and St. John were known as the sons of thunder, Boanerges in the Aramaic, but the sons of thunder. And uh, it, we can infer from that that they were, they were very impetuous and zealous in their personality and their style of, um, in their character and their style of how they related to people and whatnot. And uh, in the times of Christ's earthly ministry, when they followed him, they were these young guys. Of course, St. John would go to live on to a very, very great age and write the fourth gospel. And uh, when you read his epistles and you read his gospel, you can see a great um, overflowing love and gentleness with him. But that was that was a work that was a result of a, of a lifelong uh, process because when he was younger he was very uh, impetuous and kind of carnal and ambitious you can see <laughs> both of them they want they want the big prizes okay and so they're going to Jesus and they're saying you know uh, you know get us in at the top level we want that and their mother and they even employ their mother in this or their mother is in on it as well okay and so when they were younger, they had a kind of an earthly, this worldly, carnal, ambitious approach to their vocation and to what Christ was calling them to. They probably conceived of the kingdom of God as something that was going to come very quickly within Jesus' lifetime. I mean, maybe they had this kind of misunderstanding. They, they probably didn't fully conceive of Christ actually going to the cross and dying and then rising from the dead. They thought it was just going to be all glory. Jesus was going to be this Messiah who would gather a huge following behind him. He would There would be a kind of a critical mass that was reached. Maybe there would be some kind of armed conflict. and But in any event, God's glory would be manifest and the kingdom would come and Jesus is, you know, without have him having to go to the cross. And it was all going to be glory and power and honor and all that good stuff. And what Jesus is saying is saying, no, no, I, it's, I'm going to have to go to the cross. And that's the chalice that he's speaking of. Chalice is his, chalice of his suffering and passion of his cross. So there was a process of education that the, these two young guys had to go through. Uh, St. James, um, he was, that prophecy about drinking of the chalice of Christ was fulfilled only 14 years after this event because he was the first of the apostles to be martyred. Okay, St. James was killed very, very quickly as soon as the gospel, like within three, four years or Five, six years of the gospel being preached, he was executed. He was martyred. Um, I think what I want to focus on and get from this is I have a sense here of the kind of embarrassment that this, that this whole scene entails. If you can think about this, there's a lot of family pride wrapped up in here. You got mom coming to, 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 to Christ on your behalf. And you and your brother, you're really ambitious. And Jesus really, he uh, he puts you down. I mean, he rebukes you. He corrects you. And and then the rest of your buddies, the ten other apostles, are are mad and indignant. So if you think about it, there's probably this deep sense of shame and humiliation and embarrassment. I think that Saint James and Saint John went through. And also, I think at a deeper level, a kind of a disappointment. Disappointment. And all of us in life, it's inevitable that we're going to encounter disappointment. Okay, we're going to have some kind of ambition, some kind of dream, some kind of hope, and it's going to be this worldly. Okay, it's going to be focused on something within this world. Um, 
you know, and we're going to be disappointed. Everybody's going to encounter that in life. Okay? So what matters is not whether you encounter that or not, but what matters is how you deal with it when you do encounter disappointments. When your hopes and your dreams and your aspirations are dashed. Something that you really wanted to take place doesn't take place. Or something that you really wanted to be of a certain nature really turns out to be something quite different. Uh, oftentimes priests, for example, you know, they, they think they're gonna become ordained and start preaching and this, this, you know, mass conversion. Like it's just gonna be all, you know, tons and tons of successful ministry going on. And they find out that that's not the case. <laughs> so, you're gonna encounter disappointment. How do you deal with that? Someone might enter into a marriage with all of these, you know, he or she is my, my hopes and my dreams and this greatest thing. And after a while, it turns out to be a lot more work than you thought, a lot more difficult than you thought. And after maybe quite a while, you really start to say to yourself, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of disappointed actually. This really just did not turn out to be what I thought it was going to be. Um, someone might want a certain job position. They might have ambitions to be, uh, you know, to, to acquire a certain level of achievement in their job. Maybe they have got certain plans for their children. Boy, and, and that turns out really different than what you wanted. So we're all going to encounter very serious disappointments in life. And what matters is how we ad- ad- address that. It's a psychological fact that when we encounter disappointment, we usually will compensate with something else. Okay, We're going to take that thing that we wanted, and now that we see that we've lost it, we're going to replace it with something else. And that's the key. What do you replace it with? So oftentimes people will replace that loss. They'll try to make good for their loss. They're not doing this consciously. It's a subconscious process. With bitterness, with grouchiness, with criticalness, Somehow this person's always critical of everybody. Why is that? Well, they probably have encountered a very deep disappointment in life, and that's how they're rewarding themselves with that loss. They're making good on that loss. They're making up for that loss by allowing themselves to be very, very critical of people in general and to be kind of a grouch. Um, So there's always going to be some kind of a compensation that we give ourselves when we meet disappointment. But what did St. James and St. John, what did they do when they met this disappointment, when their worldly ambitions were dashed? It was a moment of great humiliation for them, I'm sure. But they turned to God in faith, and their whole vision of what their purpose was on earth was lifted up and elevated and became spiritualized. And they could see the big picture, and they understood that our hope is not in this world, but it's in the world to come. And it requires a whole journey of faith in the unseen. And so they compensated themselves with a spiritual vision, with a much higher reward. Isn't that ironic? So they wanted this earthly uh, prize. And when they found out that they couldn't get it, they gave themselves something better. You see, they didn't give themselves something less, grouchiness, bitterness, whatever it might be. They gave themselves something better. So for us, whenever we meet these disappointments in life, we need to compensate that loss with something even greater. Okay? Uh, maybe uh, meaningful friendships, maybe some kind of intellectual endeavor. Uh, the best thing, a 
course, is a spiritual relationship of great fulfillment and joy uh, with God for eternity. Um, and so I think we can, for, for this very human and very real challenge that we all face, we can look to St. James as a, as a great example.